John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tops Bunt 22 House, live from Phoenix, Arizona. And I don't know if you're noticing, but there's no Zoom boxes, guys. Oh my gosh, we're in person. He's we're here. live. I, I can touch him. He's real. Well, he, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> yeah, but. sorry. I, I did that. Like <laughs> no, but we're here. Him. It's exciting. Shea Station, live from Phoenix, Arizona. This is a lovely thing. For a very special occasion, our first ever player profile and projection, largely known as PPPs. PPPs, player profile and projection. Okay, that's what we're that's we're just going to refer to it as PPP from now on just to make it easier. This is your last chance <laughs> to get the definition. If you miss it here, you're not going to get it again. Well, being new to the John Boy family, this was introduced to me just recently too and so everybody refers to it as the ppps so that's how we're going to refer to it tpps which is team profile projection that was the first john boy thing that i ever encountered where they go through every team and they just give like a ranking and a projection and stuff i watched the mets one and i was like oh that's pretty good nice all right they have they've done this year's i haven't seen that yet they're starting up this year's they released the voting today today's what march 11th okay go off for another few days but Enough about them. Yeah, let's talk about, about us. us. This is about us. For those who don't know, it's a new episode of Shea Station every single day until opening day. We're hitting all 25 members of the active roster, plus anybody that might get signed or traded for. Yeah, we'll stay fluid here. We'll stay uh, stay, you know, mobile, being able to, to do things on the fly, which is one of the best parts about being in the same place at the same time. Exactly. And you don't have to deal with Zoom where you're missing every fifth word or whatever. <laughs> And uh, we have to start with a bang, right? We can't just start with any Joe Schmo, although I love all my Mets. Our first episode, as you can tell from the title already, is going to be about the $340 million man, Francisco Lindor. Three, 341. Let's not sorry, sell him short. Sorry. He's yeah, uh, 341. Yeah, this is, this is a big one. Uh, the 2021 season for the Mets was kind of wild in general, and Francisco Lindor as a whole is is pretty polarizing, I want to say, is the word. I think that's actually the perfect word to use yeah. for Francisco Lindor because when you look at things from a surface-level value, if you don't know who Francisco Lindor is, you've never heard of him before, and you're just looking at his numbers, they're not bad for 2021. They're of a pretty above-average league uh, shortstop. You know, uh, 101 OPS plus, that's a tick above league average. 20 bombs, which is pretty good for a shortstop. And then, obviously, platinum glove level defense as always at the toughest position in baseball. So there's a lot to like, but then you look at the price tag that we just mentioned and you think, okay, well, are you getting your money's worth with this guy? Yeah. You think about uh, the expectations that he came in with on top of that. Like if you're a Mets fan, obviously you are tuning in. You remember the, just the lull, the downtime that he had, especially to start the year, the dysfunction of the team as a whole kind of played into that. 
there were shining moments. There was the the three homer game in the in the 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 Yankee series that was wonderful. Um, there, there was just there was really good moments. He played a consistent defense, um, but I think this year moving forward, you know. I think we just want some consistency. Right. I think it's it's unfair to him a little bit because it is heightened expectations. But at the same time, when you sign a mammoth deal like that, that's what people are going to expect out of you, especially when it's over a decade's worth of years. So, I mean, Lindor's numbers, we know. They're not bad by any means. The defense really holds up his like wins above replacement. But when you look at the splits between months, that's where you really see the outline of how that season went for him. The first two months were an absolute adjustment period for him, a 194 batting average. 294 on base percentage, 294 slugging, a paltry OPS, and only four home runs. So that's not the type of power numbers that you expect from someone with the reputation that Lindor had in Cleveland. Yeah, that was about as bad of a start to a season offensively as you can get. And his was also on top of Michael Conforto's down year, and so those two guys back-to-back, it really just made it seem worse than it actually was. Exactly. Um, You didn't have the role players behind them with Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. I think their struggles get punctuated because of that. Because when when the whole team is struggling – you just paid this guy $341 million. You want to be able to have him throw your team on the, on his back and carry them through. And that's a good expectation to have when you pay a guy that much money. He just didn't do that. And I think a lot of it was unfortunate and it was sustained. And so I understand that the taste that Mets fans had from him, especially offensively, it makes sense. Yeah. And you're not dealing with any type of fan. You're dealing with a New York fan. And when, you know, when they get a player that's supposedly a star and you make a splash deal, especially when the Mets haven't done splash deals like this in their franchise history really at all, you expect instant gratification. You expect instant production, and that's just not what we saw in the first two months. And I think that overshadowed what he did the rest of the season because if you look at just his June through October, he's a great player here. 822 OPS, 16 home runs in that four-month span. So he really ticked up after that, especially in September. He had a great last month of the season. He was really coming into his zone right before he got hurt, too. So he was starting to feel it. Uh, he was starting to play like the Francisco Lindor that we were expecting, that we've seen in the past. He kind of got hurt and just lost a big chunk of the season when he was feeling good. And that kind of also added to the drama of the ceiling because you're like, or of the season, because you're you're finally starting to see it and then he gets hurt and you're like man that's a, just another thing and so it was a it was a season full of kind of disappointing almost you know almost got there and then was starting to look like him it just just a very unorthodox very uncomfortable season for us yes. for a 10 year 341 million dollar deal kind of the antithesis antithesis of what you want to get i liked a lot of what you said there and like listen like this deal is extremely young we just finished year one of it. So the bar is the bar that I'm setting now is can Francisco Lindor be an all-star again? Can he be at the Midsummer Classic and be a face of the franchise like he was with Cleveland, like he was in their playoff runs and stuff like that? Because I think that that's the first bar you have to hit. Lindor is not going to return to being an MVP overnight. It's just not going to happen that way. I think he has some growing pains in New York. I think the juiced ball might have affected him a little bit because he had those really standout seasons in 2018 and 2019. But when you have a generational glove and when you have a league average or above league average hitter and a guy like Lindor, that is certainly not out of the realm of possibility by any means. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as MVP goes, he's never, to me, he's never been the MVP that you're going to get. He's not going to put up Aaron Judge numbers. He's not going to hit 55 homers, you know what I mean? But I think his style of play is an MVP of a winning type team. So 
you know, he's going to be, he's going to hit, you know, expected of, you know, 20, 30 homers that he's done in the past. But his defense and his consistency is what you want. His defense is going to carry you. He's still, he's going to enter his age 28 season. For me, it all starts there. And then you just want some consistency. And I feel like we're going to get some of that moving forward. Do you want to get into the projections? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. We uh, we highlighted the steamer projections from Fangraphs because those are considered the most reliable in the industry, so to speak. And they have him similar to uh, this year in some aspects, but also taking a step forward offensively in other aspects. Still around like a 250 batting average, a 330 on base percentage. The kicker for me was that they expect him to hit 30 home runs with 93 RBIs, and that's going to soar his wins above replacement value up by at least two wins, plus 13 stolen bases. So they, they really are hingent on the slugging percentage going up, and I think that's an important thing for us to talk about because while Lindor's numbers have pretty much stayed consistent from Cleveland to New York, the one main difference has been pretty much like a 100-point decrease in slugging. There's not as much power hitting anymore. Yeah. And this kind of leads to a couple different avenues. One, the Mets... We're just sorely lacking power in general last year. It was Pete Alonso or Bust pretty much with this team. Um, but now you have a universal DH. Now you have an extra hitter in that lineup. So, I mean, there's added protection for Lindor around him now, plus the new signings that we've already spoken so much about and will continue to in other PPPs. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, so I think added protection, maybe the second year, the growing pains are over. I think that maybe is where that projection's coming from. Who knows? Yeah, so it's, it's simple for me. This is going to be year two of his big deal. So his second year in New York, he's 28. He's still not even technically in his prime yet. Um, I guess that might be. No, but I think yeah. you're right though. I think like he's coming into his shit. own. Yeah. You start to mature physically. You start to understand the game a little bit more. Just experience. I feel like he's in that sweet spot. And so the defense is going to be there for me. That's the biggest piece. The, the He's got range both left and right. Like his, his, his range and consistent range is the best for me. But offensively, we talked about his his OPS. I just I just expect him to get back to his career averages. Yeah. Um and that I don't, would be enough though. That you know would be mean? enough. That's what I'm saying. We're not the expectations isn't that he's gonna hit forty home runs. I want him to just get back to what he's gonna do. And I think the Mets have put him surrounded him, like you said, with the Marte with um with getting Eddie Escobar. I think they have surrounded him with Pete Alonso really stepping up and, and being that power guy. So he's going to have less pressure on himself, and he can just relax and just play baseball, and I think that's when he's really going to get into his own. We talked a little bit about like a uh, projected starting lineup for what we think it would look like. Both of us had a consensus that Lindor would be the three-hitter. So in front of him, you supplement him with Nimmo and Marte with on-base and speed. Behind him, now you have a little bit more pop, aside from just Pete Alonso with Eddie Escobar. Mark Hanna's got a little pop in his bat. And, of course, we both want Kyle Schwarber in the oh, blue please. and orange. And that would be the perfect missing piece to where Lindor can just do what he does best, yep. which is put up decent on-base numbers, hit gap-to-gap, gap, and play gold-glove defense. And that's really all you can ask for him. That's what I'm looking forward to this year, is for him to take that extra step of maturity. Being in the spotlight, it's a real deal. Coming from Cleveland, I'm an Ohio guy myself. The the intensity of the fan Focus is just not there for baseball in general, unless you're, you know, playing basketball and your name is LeBron. Cleveland, they care. They love football. Um, but baseball, they're just there. You know, they, they care, but they're not going to scrutinize you the way New York will, especially when you make $341 million. So I think his, his level of maturity, his, his already done it, done it for a year, already been there. I th- I'm just expecting him to take a deep breath and just to relax and play the baseball that he can do. And so that's what I'm most looking forward to is 
is, you know, they call him Mr. Smile. I literally have never heard anyone <laughs> apart from himself and some ads say Mr. Smile, but uh, he does. He has a great smile. He needs to just relax and play baseball and be comfortable in his own skin, not try to do too much, and, and hopefully the Mets don't need him to do too much this year. They needed it last year, and he put a lot of pressure on himself to do it, and I think that's where the downfall came offensively. Um but I think this year is going to be uh, a year for him to take a deep breath and just play ball. And though the big thing that I wanted to point out as well is that he had a reliable bat behind him the entire run of the way in Jose Ramirez. And I'm not saying that Pete Alonso cannot be the uh, Jose Ramirez to Francisco Lindor that he once had. But Jose Ramirez is a perennial MVP candidate every year. Probably the most underrated player in baseball should be a face of baseball as a whole. Um, and when you have that guy behind you, you know, you don't you don't feel the pressure as much. I'm sure you don't. And, like, Lindor is a natural face of a franchise. Like you said, Mr. Smile signed a huge contract with a huge market team in New York. Naturally, people are going to look to you to be the MVP caliber guy. And I think that just supplementing the people around him is what he needs to do. Lindor was really good with runners in scoring position in 2021. A 283 batting average, 410 on-base percentage, which is Nimmo level. You love to see that. 954 OPS, seven home runs. And I mentioned before that Nimmo and Marte are going to be in front of him. So the big thing that Lindor can do for me as a New York fan is keep the line moving. We were really bad in rallies. We were really bad at getting runners on and bringing them home. We were a big solo home run team or one run an inning and just relying on pitching to get us all the way through. Whereas I think if you have a one and two that consistently get on base and Lindor can push it to our high slugging guys behind him, you're going to have really good innings whenever you're at the top of your lineup pretty much the whole run of the way as long as everyone stays healthy. That's what I'm really looking for from him. I mean, we're talking runners in scoring position. As a Mets fan, we know that's been our downfall for the last, I don't know, handful of years at least. Seems like forever. Yeah, and for a guy that had that poor of a season offensively to still produce you know, um, runners with scoring position numbers like that, very impressive. That just shows you that like once he once the all that stuff gets whittled down and it's a pressure situation to where he just wants to hit and, and move keep the guys moving, that he, he's at his best. And so I think that's a, a good sign for the future for him. Yeah, and I, I also think we're moving away from the consensus that like the three hitter should be your best hitter in the lineup. A lot of teams put their two hitter there or they put the five hitter in the best spot because there's always runners on for those guys. And I think that Lindor, he's in the perfect spot for himself because Lindor still gave us great on-base numbers. Still, the slugging wasn't there. We mentioned that a little bit before. But Lindor always puts up a good at-bat, always makes the pitcher work, hits from both sides of the plate, so it gives your lineup a dynamic approach where you can approach it with righty-lefty and put him wherever you see fit. And then at the end of the day, if he keeps the line moving, you're setting up Pete Alonso and you're setting up... Kyle Schwarber, hopefully. Figure I'm going to keep saying it because I want um, that. I'm trying to make it come to reality. <laughs> trying to temper my expectations but also <laughs> exacerbate it. Uh, but the guys like Mark Canna and uh, Eddie Escobar, those are guys that also hit for great power numbers. And I've, Eddie Escobar had an 100 RBI season like two years ago with the Diamondbacks that people just forget about. And that's because he was hitting a really good spot I in the lineup. I also think they only scored 100 runs that he year, had too, which them, is actually. amazing. He's responsible for every <laughs> single one. Hey, we're in Arizona. We can't make fun of the Diamondbacks. Oh, why not? You can make fun can of the Diamondbacks from anywhere. from here, man. That's messed up. Oh, that's okay. No, so I, I agree with you. And, and a lot of what... I guess the perception of Francisco Lindor when you sign a deal like that is you expect him to be an amazing offensive producer. And I just don't think that the, his style of hitting is headline material in a sense. He's, he's going to give you 
I expect him to to bounce back to his career levels and maybe even take a step tick up. But if if he's around his average, I think that's going to be special because he's not going to give you a 1100 plus OPS. But when you sign that big of a deal, there's expectations of this ascendance to you know MVP level, like you know. And so, I just expect him to hit for more power. And that's most for me. That's mostly doubles. And his approach. He what he hit last year, like twenty doubles, not even. Yeah. So he sixteen I, doubles. Sixteen doubles. That Lindor. is so not him. He's like a forty double guy. How many forty double seasons? Does forty he have? doubles in twenty nineteen. Forty two in twenty eighteen. Forty four in twenty seventeen. Last year was the only year of his career where he hit more home runs than he hit doubles. Yeah. And so that shows you his approach is he's trying to hit too hard, trying to hit home runs, and just he needs to relax and just let his power play. And I think that's what we're going to get out of him this year. I think his his doubles will go up. Um, his his power numbers just overall will go up because he's not putting that pressure on himself to carry the offense because he he isn't that guy. He proved it last year, and we don't need him to be that guy. If the Mets are going to win the World Series, which is what the expectations are, he can't be your offensive run producer. He has to be one of the main guys in your lineup, and he's your three-hitter. He's going to be an amazing hitter, but he's not going to be your, your Pete Alonso, you know, trying to hit 50 homers. And here is, I think, a, a big key uh, for Lindor to win back Mets fans that he's lost. When I think of Francisco Lindor, I think of two games or two moments specifically. One you mentioned before, which was the three-homer game in the Subway Series. The other one that I think of is the huge grand slam he hit in the ALDS versus the Yankees a couple years back. And that's because when the bright lights are on, Lindor thrives. He's one of those rare players where when everyone is watching, his best game comes out. And I think if you can get Lindor to the fall stage and let him do his thing and let him make flashy plays when it matters the most, that's where you get the true value of Francisco Lindor. That's where you get the face of the franchise energy around Francisco Lindor because he has so many of those moments despite his career not being all too long. He's a seven-year veteran now. So, I mean, he has so many of those marquee moments, and at the same time, we've been being so hard on him. But when you think of the 2021 season for the Mets, I really only think about that Subway Series game now. I don't remember much else of it. Well, that's because you're, you do what people do with trauma, and they mm-hmm. forget about it and bury it. Oh, yeah. They bury it behind themselves. <laughs> but yeah. you're right. So it, it's pretty simple. I, I, I project... Lindor to get back to being Lindor. I want him to play um, platinum level defense. I want him to hit consistently in the three hole, which is what you need in front of Pete Alonso, uh, behind Nimmo and Marte, especially Nimmo. You want guys to be able to, to keep the keep the line moving and then let the other guys try for power, steal bases, all that stuff. I just expect him. Baseball is too much about numbers, and there's too many analytics that say that this guy is who he is and. I expect him to fall back into into line, and I truly, over the course of this, you know, the next few years in his contract, I expect him to take another level up. But this year, I all I'm expecting is for him to get back to normal, and I'm hoping for him to take another jump. Well, now it's time for the most fun part of every PPP, which is our over unders, which we designed specifically just for our viewers to enjoy. We're going to post a graphic about these on our socials, so you can chime in with what you think of our choices. 
Um, so here's what we got. I got three for us today. I picked three because it's our inaugural cool. episode. We got to go big or go home. All right, so the first one I got here is over or under 20 stolen bases. For reference, Lindor last stole 20 bases in 2019 with 22. He's taken a serious step back in the past few years. 10 last year, 6 in 2020. You got the over here? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under just for for his health benefit. I want him to play. I want him to be consistent. I don't want him to try to steal bags. You got Marte for that who stole 50 bags. You know what I mean? Let him do that. You you don't need it from him. You don't need the the movement. He'll take his 15 and he'll steal bags. He'll he'll do it on purpose, but I don't want him attempting more than that. Gotcha. Steamer has him at 13 stolen bases for next year. I think they're probably right. I think he's probably an under for me as well. I think the biggest point you made there was the Marte factor. Marte stole 47 bases last year, which was almost more than the entire Mets team (laughs) as a whole. So you don't need Lindor to be doing that in the first place. Here is a more important one, in my opinion, because it's what I really need from Lindor, regardless of the production outside. Over or under 150 games played. He hasn't done this since 2018, and having him out there on defense every day is such a difference maker for this team. He had that nice three-year stretch, 2016 to 2018, 158, 159, 158 games played. Since then, he's had some injury trouble. Oh, in 2019, he still played 140. 40, 43. 143. So that's I'll take the over because I'm an optimistic person on 150. But I honestly, if we get 140 plus, it's it's going to be a, a good season. So, so you're taking the over there. I think I'm going to take the under here. I still think that he can get to that 130, 140 benchmark, and that is a difference maker. It's a huge difference from the 125 he played last year. 125 seems like a lot, but when we didn't have Lindor, you felt that loss in that month of August. So I think that he probably falls like 10 games, maybe 15 games over, but still not quite the benchmark that he hit in his uh, early 20s here. Hey, we, we disagree. I don't know how I feel you about it. You guys saw it. It's on camera. It <laughs> happened. It happens sometimes, like 10% of the time. That's true. Right? Yeah. And then the big one here is over under 450 slugging percentage. Uh, we talked a lot about his power numbers this episode. Slugging numbers of 505, 519, and 518 from 2017 to 2019, but then 415 and 412 from 2020 to 2021, which is a 100-point difference. So 2020 was the shortened season, so I don't, I don't count that against anybody Last year was horrid. That is, there's no if ands, or buts about it, and I think he put some pressure on himself. So I'm taking the over. Again, I want him to get back to his career norm. His average is probably, what, like 5'10"? In his career, his single single average is 478. 478. So I'm going to take the over on his average because last year probably dragged that way down. I think so. Um, I just expect him to, to hit doubles, and that's that's the approach that I think he's going to take this year is just – gap-to-gap power and, and let doubles and then let them translate to home runs. And I think that that is going to skyrocket his OPS. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think he needs to get to 500 to be a great OPS hitter to have that good OPS plus. I think 450 is very realistic for him. And he was, you know, this slugging percentage was horrid before that great last month of September. So he needs more months like September to really get to that benchmark. But I think the over is a fair assessment here. It's not out of the possibility at all. And uh, it's a sign of good things if he's hitting for power again. The doubles is the key thing. I agree. I think it's just his approach at the plate, just relaxing and letting, you know, let him play his style of game instead of pushing too hard. I think that's the key for him. 
don't push too hard. Don't try to be who you're not just because you're trying to live up to something and be the Francisco Lindor that we, we know and we've seen for so long and relax and play baseball. I think that's a good spot to end. What do you I think? agree. Yeah, this was a good one. I think that's, that's about perfect way to end it because we just want Lindor to be Lindor. We just want Mr. Smile. He plays Mr. Smile. That'll turn all of us Mets fans into the smiling folk. The smiling folk. All right, guys, thank you for listening to the first PPP player profile and projection on Francisco Lindor. New episodes of Shea Station coming out every day. Tomorrow we'll hit you with our first pitcher episode. Can't tell you who yet, obviously. Make sure you tune in and don't miss a thing. I'm Jolly Olive. I'm Jerry Blevins. Let's go Mets.